I think you also this is very important because I would like to go, since you speak about that, I would like to go since most academics sometimes uh, were not able to communicate with general public or people, lay people. And you started YouTube's as well, videos, and lately a podcast. So I think that's quite interesting because as a condition as well, you not stay in the lab, but you're trying to reach large audience and speak honestly about the problem you have. If you can tell us more, why is, you think about that very important for you? And do you think it was a challenging for you as a, uh, a professor as well in your career? I began my... Uh, I've, I've always had an interest in video production. Uh, again, when, when I was this also started when I was a kid, uh, I had a Fisher-Price PXL 2000 black and white video camera that could record uh, a few minutes uh, because of the, the, the very high data rate uh, on an audio cassette. So you got a few minutes on side A, a few minutes on side B, and you could make these uh, these very low cost uh, productions. But it was it was fantastic because my family didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a VHS camcorder, uh, so I, I started to make movies. I was always very interested in movies and special effects. Um, and when I be when I got to 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 grad school and and my postdoc, you know, I was working so hard on the science that I let these other interests sort of fall by the wayside. And then in 2007, I became very interested in the active learning methodology that are that is used in uh, in usually a, a few different professors at a, uh, at a in a department will use the flipped classroom or active learning method where they record a, a lecture and then use the lecture, uh, the class period as sort of a variety hour where students do design challenges and so forth. And I, I wanted I wanted to do that. And I wanted to do it for a number of reasons. One, I think it's it's I, I enjoyed uh, the the oratory aspect of teaching. I enjoyed uh, being able to share what I knew with an audience beyond uh, just my my classroom. And I frankly didn't enjoy rememorizing the same lecture notes uh, every single year for the for those courses. So I recorded them all. Um, and then around the same time, um, I started to uh, I, I, I became the uh, the coordinator for a graduate student seminar series. And this uh, seminar series drove, uh, um, attracted maybe 80 to 100 students per, uh, per, uh, per session. And when I couldn't find, and, and, and the, the professional topics were things like job interviews and public speaking and writing and working with the press and coming up with new ideas and applying to, to graduate school or postdoc or academic positions. And I started to record those as well. And when, when I couldn't find a speaker for the topic, I ended up giving the, the talk 
myself and those are the ones that I recorded uh, and then I just put those right up on YouTube and I started to get some uh, some some hits and a few of them have a few thousand views each actually my YouTube channel is uh, almost up to about 600,000 views in total um, at this time I have over 6,000 subscribers and the podcast came from a uh, basically came from maybe uh, you could call it like fan mail where they said uh, you know I, I don't want to subscribe to YouTube um, and pay money to get just the audio on my phone can you upload them as podcasts so then the first several episodes of the podcast are the audio versions of my YouTube videos but now I've actually started to record some original content as well and the niche that I, I like to that I'm trying to occupy is to be of service to younger academics, to uh, undergraduates, graduate students, postdocs, and early career faculty members. And the goal is to, to lift the veil on this, uh, on this somewhat obscure process of writing grants and, uh, and speaking and coming up with ideas, fundable ideas and where to submit your paper and this kind of thing. And there wasn't really anyone doing this sort of full time on the internet. So that's the niche that I, I think I'm, I'm filling. And I have a, a, a Twitter account, uh, which is sort of to promote this work and also to sort of point at in in a in a uh, in a lighthearted way at the foibles of of academic science that's very interesting and i'm curious to ask you do you think it's challenging uh to running both of them but do, i i i can understand you it's a hobby for you and it's a challenge for some but do you think in academia because i think there's a trend some people underestimate from the value of podcasting sometimes and see it's not scientific that's argument. I don't know how we would respond to that. I would, the, the reception professionally for me has been quite good. I, I understand that in the history of scientific communication by scientists, they are sometimes regarded as uh, mere popularizers. And people who, who aren't really making innovations on, you know, by them by themselves, I think, you know, you, you look at, at the history of, of um, uh, Carl Sagan and uh, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, people who have sort of become professional science communicators um, and, and haven't really done a lot of their own uh, uh, basic research for quite some time. Uh, and... I think there's an idea that you have to have either one or the other, but I think I can I've I've escaped that uh, categorization for two reasons. One is that my media appearances, <laughs> my media production is very rarely about science itself. It's about sort of peri scientific ideas, like how science is is done, as opposed to what's going on in my lab right now or what I find interesting. And in my case, the audience is other scientists as opposed to the, uh, the, the media or a popular audience. If a popular audience wants to tune in, that's completely fine with me because I think it's important that, uh, that, that uh, people outside of academia know how academic science is actually done. Um, and the other reason, the other way I think I've, I've escaped the, uh, the, 
the 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 downside of of having a uh, a, a public face or a public voice is that the is that society is much more accepting of this kind of activity than it was uh, than it was in Carl Sagan's day or even quite recently. You know, it's only been a positive on my tenure and promotion files, and now I'm full professor, so I don't really have to worry about <laughs> any of that. And in fact, um, if I can show that I've had a an impact beyond the boundaries of my campus, it's actually regarded as a good thing. That's super interesting. And I, I would like to ask you, do you think that... Uh... The shape of education has to be changed in that case since it proved that when you have this kind of activities, YouTube or podcasting, it's maybe leverage the awareness of people that listening to you. Do you think that the way we education have has to be changed beyond seeing campus and receiving from normal classes? You, you, you could imagine something beyond that different way of education? Yeah, I think that technology will have to play a more prominent role in education, particularly in light of the uh, ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, um, where universities have been forced to uh, adopt uh, online learning. Um, and however, it, it, and there are some arguments where uh, where it, it might make sense to have the best calculus teacher in the world teach, you know, calculus 101, and then we just stop teaching that locally. I actually don't think that's a very good idea. I think it's important that a uh, that a student have a an individual relationship, even if it's you know one out of a hundred students. The level of uh, the the level of the level of knowledge transfer is magnified if you have a, is is really enhanced by having somebody who can look a student in the eye and give them real time feedback and also for the instructor to get real time feedback from the students so it's a common experience for a lecturer in front of a uh, of an audience to reformulate a an explanation that uh, landed badly or that was misunderstood and then in real time come up with another example or another way of explaining the concept that that finally does land and in a video recorded lecture as as fantastic as they are particularly for uh for learning a new topic that's you know not taught or you know home repairs or learning to play a, something on the guitar you know it's it's fantastic there's no other way to do that but to learn uh to learn deep concepts about physics and chemistry and engineering and biology uh, you really do want to have a, a knowledge coach that can that can guide a student so i think it's it's complementary but i don't think that in-person instruction is going to disappear nor should it <laughs>